1: All right, it's opening bell time. Hold on a second. Let me do this. And I'll do this. Ding, ding. And then I'll do this again. All right, it's Zolgad and Chip Scoggins, my buddy from the Star Tribune in hour one. Mackie will join today's show at 11 o'clock. But as we're doing the opening bell, I want to start with this one, Chipper.
0: Today, uh, we've got about... Twelve of our players and twelve of their players are going to get together before practice and kind of talk about you know respecting each other and doing this thing the right way, trying to get a lot of good work done against a really really good football team. So um, you know it'd be good, great evaluation for our young guys. Um, you know, great evaluation for us, kind of where we're at and kind of go from there. You now we we really you know uh, Jacksonville coach Marone and. And myself and, and the rest of our team, we just really we really don't want to end up being on TV.
1: That's it. This is what footballs become. This is football, Chip Scoggins, in 2018. At least at least at TCO Performance Center.
0: If we're gonna have a joint practice,
1: everyone's gonna hug it out before
0: we do. Bring back Brock Lesnar, right? Where's Brock Lesnar? I was
1: sitting. I was watching practice yesterday with Kevin Seifert, who covered yeah. that. Yeah, and we were talking about the Lesnar, <laughs> and and so I guess Seifert was talking to someone who reminded him that all started because. Brock didn't understand that you couldn't hit the quarterback. <laughs> and so Brock basically was taking out the Chiefs quarterbacks. Body slamming. Do him. you remember? Okay, so Seifert brought this one up. Just to go back to the, we had 24 players sit down and break bread yesterday and yeah. and, and, and and pray about practice. Seifert reminded me, do you recall, and this is, I think you were on the goal for beat, and I don't, I wasn't on the Viking beat myself yet. I forget if I was doing Packers or what. The joint practice against Kansas City and River Falls where a Vikings defensive back, I believe it was, ended up doing something that resulted in I think a Chiefs player breaking his leg. And Dick Vermeel's <laughs> Dick Vermeel's exact words were, "The play, the Vikings player should be shot." I know,
0: I know. Somebody mentioned that. Can so
1: you we've
0: gone from yeah, somebody should be we've, gone from,
1: we've gone from assassinating a football player <laughs> on the
0: field to everyone's going to get
1: together and talk.
0: Yeah, we. I was thinking about it. Uh, we went up to what year was it that uh, you and I beat that? Was it oh eight? Oh eight. And remember, and they were on hard knocks. The yeah. Chiefs were yes. And remember that um, Childress left Jared Allen home. He called it a veteran exception. Yes, because he it, just tried to cut trouble off at the pass. He thought there might be some brawls, and there still was a fight up there. I Ray Edwards, Ray Edwards, it uh, was
1: yeah. And uh, was it was a Kyle Turley. The wild offensive lineman for the Could Chiefs at the been, time, yeah. who had been like with a bunch of teams, yeah. But there was definitely a fight because I think Leslie for, oh no, yes, yes, Frazier was the defensive coordinator, coordinator, and yeah. he tried to bring. He jumped in there. <laughs> poor, yeah. Les, poor Leslie was in the middle of this thing, getting basically yeah. ragdolled
0: around. Yeah, and so, you know, I understand that, you know, anytime you have these, and we we've seen them already around the league, they inevitably end up in fights, and and I would. Yesterday, early on, it was a one-on-one um, uh, drill. and Or a t- team drill, but not a full team dr- drill. And one of the Jacksonville linebackers kind of got tossed to the ground and jumped up and was barking. And um, one of the Jacksonville coaches, might have been Maroney, scream down, knock it off, we're not doing that. And so I think the coaches at Children's even said, I won't be on one field, and we're always going to be on the other, and we're not having any of that it's nonsense. Like, I know. It's, it's like, like recess. Yeah, it's like the principal. All right, 7th and 8th <laughs> graders, you
1: better be nice, and if you're not, there's going to be ramifications. No one's going to eat. Uh, you, you Lunch You think, out. though,
0: if, if they have another hot day out there today, because it was pretty competitive practice, somebody's going to throw a punch, right? I mean, it's... Well, well, you would think so. Yeah, but you know,
1: and it's not that you don't I want, want it. It's just so it's just so funny to yeah. see the great lengths that they're going to to try and stop from happening.
0: Well, and I do agree with them that those things tend to overshadow and get the attention. And two things: one, you want to get you want to get something out of this and not just have a series of fights going on and all that. And the other thing is, God forbid, you got somebody hurt. Oh, yeah. doing that. I mean, I, imagine yeah. somebody throws a punch, hits a helmet, breaks his hand, and he's out for however long there's going to be some serious pushback. And it's like, why did you do this? Why didn't you control your players? So I understand why um, more. I think it's more injury prevention. You don't want somebody getting hurt in one Mm -hmm. of these things unnecessarily. So these things are all the rage now. Yeah. Because for a while there,
1: I think they didn't completely stop. But I think that they largely stopped. And that's why the Chiefs and Vikings stopped because of the fights. The fighting, yeah. And so so now there's a ton of, of these. And I was reading a story on Monday Night Chipper that the coaches like these because they feel that they can control them mm. more than preseason games and that they can uh, can control guys getting hurt. And, and they also like the fact that it allows your offense and defense to work against different teams and yeah. different looks. All of that being said, though... It's got to be I, I wonder if the coaches truly can control them or that this goes back to sort of the football God complex of coaches thinking yeah. I thinking if I if I have a whistle it's all going to be fine yeah it does it does seem to me to be pressing your luck a little bit across the board yeah you, but I, I sort of get because
0: you're talking about hundred something players yes. and and it's hot and they're tired they're sick of camp. And they're competitive. And so, you know, something happens, temper's going to flare. I I, I wouldn't be surprised today if somebody throws a punch or whatever. But I I do like these because you can tell, we were out there yesterday, it was a different intensity. There's a different kind of energy out there on the field than a a normal practice. It's a different feel. It's a different feel. And it's it's more competitive. And I think just for teams and players, I was talking to one of the Vikings players yesterday about it. It just breaks up the monotony of... Training camp is like the same thing. It's Groundhog Day, right? Oh, it's it's awful. the same drills, it's all day after day, same time. So this breaks up the monotony at least, you know, gives them a different feel, different look, and 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 it does raise the energy because, hey, you're you're going against a different team and, and different guys um, in all these drills.
1: All right, I do want to say this from yesterday, Chip Scoggins. <laughs> I do want to say this when there is as many things going on during a joint practice as there were. On uh, Wednesday, it's sort of hard to keep track, right? Like, yeah. like you're watching individual drills, and you're watching the offensive line for one team go against the defensive line for the other team, and it, it gets to be it gets to be hard to survey the fields completely. But I came away with one thing yesterday. I got one thing for you for sure. Blake Bortles yeah. is awful.
0: Yeah. As, as, as oh we, my gosh. As we said, that was two good teams, but one has a quarterback. And one has a shaky quarterback. I mean... How how do you... But if you're Jacksonville and you are
1: defensively this good and you are an AFC uh, title game team and you lost
0: and you shouldn't have, but how do you just say we're okay with Blake Bortles? Well, think about how many interceptions that the Vikings dropped yesterday. I I saw one team period where I think Harrison had one. He dropped. Xavier, I think, dropped one. I was standing standing by you when Anthony Barr dropped dropped, one and Xavier Rhodes dropped one. Yeah, and Harrison in the paper, they say he dropped two. So, because uh, uh, one of the uh, Jackson uh, thing is Leonard Fournette walked by and said, "Hey, Smith, you dropped that interception," and, and Harrison said, "I dropped two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, they're 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 such good friends now yeah, that right, they're I volunteering know. up when they screw up, as opposed to ten years back yeah, they, when if Fournette walked right. by Smith and said that he'd say,
0: "Bleep you, Leonard!" They're helping each other guys up. Uh, Adam Thielen yesterday fell down, and, and right. a defense back helped him up. Here you go. Kumbaya, yeah. I'm <laughs>
1: Everyone come
0: together on the football field. That's Any problems?
1: Right. Do you want to sit down and talk about your problems? <laughs> Harrison Smith, do you want to talk about your long day? Blake Bortles, though. Yeah, that's... He's, he's honest to God. I don't understand. I, the irresponsibility of going into the season with that guy as your quarterback makes no sense to me as a football fan.
0: Yeah, and I didn't... I can't recall all their, their path to the AFC title game last year, but you watch him yesterday and you're like, that defense and running game must be really good for them to get that far with him quarterback, because he was just, he was not good yesterday. Some of those throws were like, he's trying to, you know, squeeze a ball in to, and floating it, and it's getting, uh should have been picked off, and it's just, I don't know. I mean. It, no, I think it, I you're right. He's it, just not, I don't think he's good. Yeah. I, I don't, don't think
1: this is, uh it, it, it,
0: I, yeah. It, right. You know, the interesting thing was, kind of in context with that, was the, the Jalen Ramsey GQ piece that came out. Yes. And he's trashing all these quarterbacks, and you're sitting there thinking, Inevitably, they're going to ask you about your quarterback, and it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. And um, you know, he what did he say in the in the GQ article? He said they felt like they should let Bortles throw more or taking the reins off and not play so safe, which is is, I don't know, absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. The coaches probably did the right
1: thing. In fact, let's go to that as item three. I think you agree with my conspiracy theory. We now we now know why Jalen Ramsey was uh, told to stay home for a week and is not in Minneapolis, yeah, or Egan. They knew this was coming. Yeah. Like, okay, so so the ESPN story that summarized the piece that you were talking about in GQ today, Chip Scoggins, in the last paragraph says, Ramsey was suspended for a week after he went on a profane rant against members of the media who were filming a post-practice altercation between two Jaguars players. Ramsey also sent a tweet threatening war, yeah. as as in, you know, yeah. I'm, I'll be mad, yeah. with the media. And I thought to myself, okay, we both covered a lot of teams and a lot of players. And some of those players have been very upset with us, like with either you or me or yeah. our business as a whole. And I've never seen a coach come down in a superstar and saying, you know what, you're so upset with the media, you're suspended for a week. I think it's very safe to say they knew exactly what was coming in the GQ piece and said, we don't want you anywhere near a microphone the day that this hits.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to see how you know, how a team handles something like that. Um you know, you want we always talk about it, you want honesty from players, you want uh some insight. You hate it when guys are buttoned up and they don't tell you anything and Absolutely. And then this comes out and you're like, Whoa, what did you well, I, say lo- that? I love, I love it, it, but, it. Yeah. but if I'm the t- but if I'm the team I now get why they're
1: like, you are not elaborating.
0: Yeah, and it'll be interesting <laughs> to see if, if 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 they make him off limits, if he doesn't do uh interviews uh here for a while because i mean you know how coaches just hate distractions and that was a national story as everybody was talking about and it was un- and it was it was great fun for us but it was completely
1: unnecessary like there's no there's no reason <laughs> to give your play-by-play
0: of every quarterback i love the fact that he gets out his phone and goes through the nfl roster and is like and didn't this you t- tell
1: me he he was commenting on several guys he's never faced well Josh Allen. somebody was telling me he's never faced cousins now, I don't know if that's true or not. Did Jacksonville play with Washington? I don't it's know. possible. They no, didn't. I heard.
0: I heard he'd never faced okay. him before, so yeah. it was interesting yet, he said that. But
1: yet, quote, he's a winner, <laughs> which he's really not. But I, he's, it, I mean, I
0: don't but, mind. But, Kirk but the Cousins. interesting thing is, he, you know, he knew that he was good against, on play action fakes, on play action, and so. Um, I don't know if that he's looking at the stats, the pro football focus, or if just a student of the game and knows you know what quarterbacks are good at. But he knew that on play action that, that Cousins is you know really good.
1: So the ESPN story that I'm looking at from their website right now summarized a bunch of his quarterback reactions. <laughs> Let me run through some of them. So so this is just his his quick comment. Okay, this is not the elaboration from uh-huh. uh, uh, Jaguars cornerback uh, Jalen Ramsey on Josh Allen. He's trash. Baker Mayfield gets how he was top pick. Joe Flacco, he sucks. Aaron Rodgers, doesn't suck. Tom Brady, doesn't suck. Tyrod Taylor, underrated. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, yes, he's good. (laughs) Deshaun Watson, will be an MVP. Carson Wentz, same exact thing, will be an MVP. Jared Goff, average to above average. Dak Prescott, he's okay. Russell Wilson, good. Roethlisberger, decent at best. Eli, Odell makes him. Bortle of Blake Bortles, his teammate, he said, Blake, do what he gotta do. Which to me is the only <laughs> yeah, no comment, right? Yeah, that's, that's a that's, complete no comment. I just said
0: no comment, yeah.
1: A Foles, good enough to win a Super Bowl. Breeze, really good. Andrew Luck, don't think he's good. Matthew Stafford, he's straight. Tannehill, haven't heard good things Matt Ryan, overrated. This is why you tell Jalen Ramsey, you know what, Jalen, you're really good at what you do, and you're in really good shape, and we have no reason to take you to Egan.
0: Yeah, because imagine if he was here yesterday, the circus that would have been, that would have overshadowed everything they were trying Everyone to do Everyone would have been out there. Yeah. I mean, it was
1: busy, but it was nowhere near as busy. Yeah, You, you would have had people uh, parachuting out of airplanes <laughs> as they went over the Viking vicinity. I got to talk to Jalen Ramsey. Yeah,
0: I know. Yeah, I it's, it's interesting. Ramsey. I mean, you just don't see a guy trash. Other players like that, and that many in one interview is, is pretty phenomenal interview. Oh yeah, well, and and you know what, it was probably done
1: in what do you think June or something? I think they said or July. I think, I think May. Okay, maybe. so yeah. my but it's the been point, done a but while. But the point yeah. being, they probably it was very you know he was probably really relaxed, and it's great. It's great for us. It's awesome. But you are right. Yeah, if you're the Jaguars, you're like no 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 yeah. we are not. We don't appreciate you doing this, but we're going to try and fix this as best as possible. So Stay the, home. the next the next time you talk <laughs> to the media is going to be a long time after they see
0: this. And it's too bad because I would have loved to seen him and Diggs go at it yesterday. Not necessarily fight. It might have you know, devolved into that, but, but Kumbaya I mean, that would have been Chip. a great matchup. I mean, just to see those two highly competitive guys that would have been fun. Kumbaya, Chip. Kumbaya. Kumbaya.
1: <laughs> uh, let's come back and uh, talk more. Vikings. 651-646-8255. 651 If you want to join the conversation, the show is Mackie and Judd. The schedule today, Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune sports columnist in until 10 o'clock. I'm going to ride solo from 10 to 11. Matthew Collar actually will join me around 10:15. He's got a great story, 1500ESPN.com right now, on the art of the uh, science of football, basically, the way Xavier Rhodes sees it. And then Mackie will join at 11, 651-646-8255. Don't go
0: anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine, cabinet On 1500 ESPN. There it is. All right. There it is, Keep it Scoggins. Happy,
1: right? Tennessee Volunteers, what's up with your program? How how good
0: are we going to be nah, gonna this be tough season? Year. It's going to be a tough year. You know, first-year coach. Who's coach now? Pruitt. Uh, he was the – Okay. Do you manager. like him? I mean, be honest. I, I know you've got the you – There know, There are things I like and things, cool that, I don't, going, so. things that I don't like. Yeah. But, I, you know, we'll see how the team plays. But first-year coach, a lot of turnover. It's, you know, it's going to be one of those years you got to struggle to get to a bowl game type thing. I told Mackie a couple of weeks ago,
1: I said I said, I am envious of you though. Why is because that? Because you and you've had this for years and years, and I've never have. You have the advantage of when college football season comes around, and yeah. you love the sport, I get yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but when it comes around, you are legitimately excited for it. Yeah. Now, now I'm excited for pro football, but Chip, I have to be honest. In my lifetime, like yeah. college football comes around and I watch it and, and it's not that I don't enjoy it, but my anticipation is never there. Yeah. And you've had that. I mean, even when the Vols aren't good because you're an SEC guy and they have been good a lot of times. Yeah. You
0: have that. I never get, I, I'm i 48. I never get yeah, that. And that's the thing I, you know, in in this market and I love living here, but it's like the, the one thing that's missed is like you just don't get the buzz for college football. I mean, everybody's so in on the Vikings and all that, you know, we had a family, uh, uh, Family wedding that we went to a couple weeks ago out in in uh, Massachusetts, and for my my wife's side and all her a bunch of her family. I mean, they grew up here in Minnesota. They uh, two of her uncles, her dad, went to the U. And every one of them was like, "How are the Vikings going to be?" And not one person asked me, what's, "What's up with the Gophers or how are the Gophers going to be?" It's just it's not on their radar.
1: Myron joined me two days ago, and he said he, he was out in Bristol uh, for an ESPN college football summit which mm. i'm sure you would love yeah and he told me he said he got a thousand questions about what can we do with pj fleck what's going on with fleck what's he up to what's he doing he said nobody ever mentioned the program yeah.
0: so so which which i said hey at least it's a start that's that's a good that, thing that's no, not, a bad, not thing. a bad thing not a good thing but it's right it, but, at least they're talking about
1: something but his point and he's right about this part his point is nobody ever said the gophers they just all said Fleck. And I said, it's better than nothing, because I said, I bet they didn't mention the Hoosiers.
0: Yeah. And that's why Or, or their coach. And that's that's the gamble that Mark Cole made in hiring PJ Fleck because he knew ESPN was going to do the B and PJ Fleck series that they did last year. They you know he has this brand, the row the boat, and that's going to bring eyeballs to the program. And now if that translates into the wins, then they'll start talking about the program and PJ Fleck and not just the coach. Uh six five one-six four
1: six-eight two five five. We are in the TCL broadcast studios. Hi Joe how are you
2: hi guys um I have a question in regards to the uh, the Ramsey story and this is I guess more like how the sausage is is made type of question but I mean so I mean both of you guys is probably especially probably you know chip has has done stories like this and sat on them like the like the like the magazine did or what have you I mean how do you prep for that when this thing is when this thing goes live, I mean, are, do you actually, I think Judd mentioned it, that the, you know, team may have known ahead of time. Do you give heads up, you know, that we've got this thing that we're going to break in, in August. And, and I mean, how does that all kind of work behind the scenes when you sit on something like this, which you know, can be either explosive or, you know, controversial or, or just get a lot of back in the day, sold a lot of newspapers or magazines now probably get a lot of clicks how does that all work yeah it's funny Thanks,
0: if you had an interview like that and it's totally different magazine from newspaper because they do this knowing okay th- this story is not going to come out for a couple months right um but when you get it i'm sure that writer is like let's get this thing in right away in this edition because it's so good you know sure it's so kind of you know it's going to be a national talker um i'm guessing I would be shocked if this writer didn't call the Jaguars and say, Hey, can I get Maroney GM or somebody? Cause Jay went off on all the quarterbacks. And yeah. Well, th- they had to know like something was in there. I mean, I I'm, I'm just assuming that he called the, the Jaguars for more interviews. Um, You know, maybe try to get a comment from them, Mm -hmm. um, from a position coach or Maroney. Hey, are you okay with him being this outspoken on quarterbacks, that type of thing? So I don't, I would be stunned if they were blindsided by this. I have to think that they knew something was coming. And something like that
1: is the the reporter or the, the person who wrote the piece wouldn't have called Ramsey direct. So he's either, he or she either went through Brown's PR or a PR person for Ramsey. PR people ordinarily like to know, they'll say to the client, if if they're not there, yeah. they'll say, What'd you say? Yeah. Jalen Ramsey ain't gonna hide that and be like, Well, I can't tell you what I told a reporter from GQ. So my guess is Jalen told the person or multiple people I talked about quarterbacks and I gave my assessment. So I would be shocked if this caught the team by surprise.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm I, not saying I, they like it. Since it was but. off season, I'm guessing he you know, probably went through his agency. Right. More so than the team. But the agency would probably
1: be like, oh, if that's what you said, we've got to tell Jaguars PR. Yeah, so they're not blindsided by it, correct. But it is an interesting dance here, too, because he's a pretty vocal guy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's very quotable. So the fact he did this is not shocking. Um, so if you're, if you're the team and you know he's talking to GQ, too,
0: you're probably prying around yeah, to and, find out. And, you know, if you're getting that much access to him, on his, you know, in his hometown, I think they went to his hometown. Correct, Um, you know, there's going to be, <laughs> you're pretty sure there's going to be something controversial come out of there because he is so outspoken and he and he does he is opinionated and, you know, a lot of times when you get that much access, it's just inevitable that they're going to dig deep and not just kind of have the surface stuff that you tend to get right post practice for five in That's, season. Yeah. yeah, I mean we
1: we both we both know from experience. The greatest story you're going to get is is the off season story mm-hmm. on an athlete, Oh, because it. they're relaxed, their guard is down, their personality can come out. Because in season, people change. Yeah. Well, it's
0: it's funny. I remember um, Kevin Williams, who was one of my all time favorite guys I covered, was always quiet, but he was good in the locker room. You, you know, he'd talk to you, but it was just, just kind of question and answer. It was nothing really too deep. And then one summer, I, I went to his home in in Little Rock, Arkansas, and did a big blowout on him and go down there and, you know, he's shooting basketball. He took me to the place where he does his, in his he has a karaoke room in his house. He's like, yeah, I love to sing Elvis. And it's like, what? It's like going to Maurer's karaoke room. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's like, like
1: going to Maurer's rap room.
0: It's not the Kevin Williams, you know, we see a locker room. So, yeah, when you when you do the off-season um, profiles, that's when you tend to get more and uh, more depth from, from athletes. I think the best
1: one I got uh, in my time on the Vikings beat at least was Steve Hutchinson. Hmm. Because he spent that that first year here the poison pill <laughs> year was such a whirlwind and and he was such a gruff guy yeah. and he was a locker room guy so he he had good and bad days but his good days he was a he was sort of kind but he wasn't you know
0: wasn't his favorite thing to
1: do no Yeah, way, let's put it that way and so after his first year here which would have been 2006 so in, in the off season between 06 and 07 I went to the Vikings. I said, I'd love to sit down with Steve, like not in the facility either. I don't yeah. want to do it because if you go in, if you at that time go into winter park, it's going to be formal. And once it turns formal, it's not that good. And so they allowed me to go out to, or he allowed me to go out to his house. His wife and kids mm-hmm. were there and I sat down with him and he, they couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. And they couldn't have been nicer. And he starts talking about, you know, yeah, I've got a Chipotle card for life. I eat so much Chipotle. <laughs> I've got that, you know, here, Judd, take a look at this card and yeah. he pulls it out. and. And the Vikings actually, in that case, Tom West, their PR guy, went out there with me, but he didn't like interfere. S- with yeah. That. And and he and as I recall, he hung around, uh, but he didn't like get involved. And I don't think he listened much. So he wasn't like, scared. oh, oh my gosh, Steve is going to say something. But Steve was absolutely a different person. Yeah. And, and, and the funniest thing was the greatest thing was in his house with his wife there, he was not in charge. She, no, I'm dead serious. She was in charge. Yeah. And so this big, hulking, mean, yeah. tough yeah. SOB lineman all of a sudden became this very normal guy like me or you. <laughs> that's and right. it, was, it, was, it was such a fun story. And it wasn't inflammatory, but it was a great look at a person that you
0: never got that type of look well, at. Well, that's the thing. You, you, so much now, and there's so many media members that cover the NFL, that it, it's just you feel like you're just on the surface i mean there's it's you know it's 10 minutes at post practice at best after locker yep everybody out different questions so it's hard to even really get the gnome and so that, that's why when i went down to um to see uh kevin you know he's coming back from church and his wife and kids were there and we, we sit down and he's like what in the world did you want to come down here and talk to me for And i was like i don't know anything about you yeah you're a great player." Yes. Perennial Pro Bowl player, and we don't know anything about you. You're and, it, you're and then quiet? It, you just see him. He's like smiled. He's like, "All right, then, let's go." You know? yeah. <laughs> so it's but So like, it's great. Yeah, it's like that, you wish you could do you know a ton of those because that's where you really find out about kind of the the person behind the athlete. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you find out you know who they are and what makes them tick. And this
1: all this goes back to what we've t- talked about a thousand times, which is when you cover a player. So you know, you see the player, and you might talk to him, and he might be a nice guy. You don't know them, no. Like you don't know people. Yeah. I mean, that's the only and and even even when they let you in, you're not really in, but at least you get a feel for them. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've always I've always found it comical that those in this business that we do, w- whether it be radio, TV, or writing, who think they know players. Oh yeah, this guy's a friend. No, he's not your friend. Yeah. No. And and he is, and he might be nice to you. And if you have a camera, he's probably going to be because if if that person aspires to. Uh, be good PR wise, you know, yeah. and make more off endorsements. But it's just comical to me that people in our business think that we know we know people who make millions of dollars and play a sport that we watch but can't identify
0: with. And you spend ten minutes around them, maybe. A and, week. Now yeah. and now it's and now it's just gotten worse and worse, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah just because you know teams really want to control kind of who's doing what interview and, and that type of thing. So it's it's definitely become harder. All right, let's uh, take a break, come back. Uh, Chip and
1: I have a favorite TV show. It's a short run, but man, is it good. All right, sad news. The Queen of Soul is dead, Aretha Franklin, passes away at the age of 76. I, I saw a story, Chip Scoggins, a couple days ago that she had gone to the hospice. Yeah. And it reminds me of, was it Thanksgiving Day last year in Detroit? They, they have, where she I did the st- long anthem, and I saw tweets saying, you know, hurry it up, which which ordinarily I am for. And then I saw some great tweet yeah. saying shut up it's yeah. Aretha Franklin
0: which I completely agreed with and that anthem was fantastic. It's one thing for just the average joe, you know, like they're auditioning for, you know, a record or American Idol or something. You don't you don't rush Aretha Franklin. She she can take as long yeah. as she wants and it was great. And she was spectacular. Yeah, you don't rush her. Like it was I was sitting there how many
1: thousands of anthems before games have we heard? I know, I know. And ordinarily I mean I don't I I'm in the camp at times of saying, I don't even know why we're doing this now. Let's yeah. just get rid of it. But it was marvelous. Yeah. Like I was almost like I was misting up. Yeah, it gives you watched. Yeah, this never happens to I me. Know. But you know, hurry up, get off the yeah. let's play football.
0: So What a career though. Think about oh. the impact she had on the music industry and that whole era oh, chip. Yeah. If and, and I wouldn't consider myself to be
1: a hardcore music fan, but that whole era yeah. is just the impact and the people who came and the songwriters and mm-hmm. the people that recorded. And, I mean, it is just so
0: interesting. And uh, you just look back and sort of awe at that time. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some just incredible tributes and mm-hmm. uh, stories and things shared today about her. What was the age? What was her age again? 76. 76. All right. 76 yeah. years old. Aretha Franklin
1: passes away today um hard knocks episode two last night i am all in yeah and i don't consider i'm not sure about you i'm i i I like certain shows a little bit but to get me all in because there's so much now i've just sort of checked out the wife certainly watches lots of stuff uh but this is
0: i am just all in yeah and it's the thing I love about it is it takes you behind the curtain that we don't get to see behind. Even at journalists, reporters that are in the locker room, there's there's a curtain, you know, not physically, literally, but, uh, you know, that, that you don't see. You don't see behind closed doors. You don't see – you don't get a sense, really, of how a team is thinking about a certain player, how they handled a certain situation. And I go back to this second episode where the player – um the rookie or second year guy i can't remember his name that uh he'd gotten pulled over antonio callaway antonio callaway yep. the receiver uh he had a suspended license and then they smelled marijuana in his car and gave him a ticket for that it, basically a ticket it wasn't he wasn't arrested wasn't um you know charged with anything Is it was, it was basically like a speeding ticket the way they, they portrayed it but he kept it from the team mm-hmm. because he i guess he would had some baggage in florida and um he didn't you know it was going to be another strike and but you could tell, and the, and the and the cameras, the hard knocks people knew about, but the team didn't because they were there or they they got the dashboard camera whatever, yep. and, they, and they were trained on him. And the the uh, Callaway was really struggling with, you know, should I tell him? Should I keep this? And it was affecting him in practice. And all the coaches were like, "What's going? Let's come on." And Todd Haley at one point said. He was talking to him, and there was, you know, he just had this look on his face, and he's like, "Do you need a hug today? What's going on here?" He's yep. like, "This team needs you. Come on." Yep. And uh, and then it came out two days later on TV, and they didn't know about it. And then uh, the GM and Hugh Jackson, Dorsey, the GM and Hugh Jackson, bring the player in, and they're like, "You got to tell us this. I mean, this is you know, you can't keep stuff, and you can't screw up." And so it, you would not see that ordinarily without hard knocks just that whole interaction oh, you never that whole thing. hear and, and, that yeah and there's and there's just so yeah. many different uh you know examples of that um and so that to me it's just fabulous tv and, and we were talking about off the air that you know arizona two years ago three years ago i can't remember what it was did a thing on amazon where's the full year and that was incredible I, I watched every episode and i just you know maybe they're doing it again but to me if you're a team to say we're going to commit to this for the full season Boy, that's a lot versus what we're going to do four weeks of training camp. Hard knocks
1: ends what the last episode September
0: fourth. Basically, or last like cuts. Yeah, yeah, last so, cuts is the last thing every time.
1: But you're right. You you get taken behind a curtain that that uh, teams not only don't want to, to take you ordinarily, but would never take you. Like mm-hmm. they were there, there's things in that that were just fantastic. I mean, when when Hugh Jackson got mad about the fact that players weren't hustling more in practice. And then went on a profane rant. Called the players around and went on a profane rant. And Tyrod Taylor comes up and says, "It's on the film, Hugh. When we're meeting, just show them yeah. how lazy they look." And then the next thing they cut to is Hugh Jackson saying, "I'm going to show you guys something." Yeah. And then he's green dotting guys that are loafing. That's the type of stuff. I'm so I love that.
0: Stuff. It, it, that was awesome. And then remember the first day, Tyrod Taylor gets there early to the to the mm. uh, facility. <laughs> And and Baker Mayfield goes up to Hugh Jackson and he's like he was like what time did Tyrod get here and he's like oh he has his you know he has his routine he gets here early and and he was like maybe you should get a routine you should have a routine <laughs> Where, no he said where's your routine yeah where's your routine and then Baker the next week is like got got there at the same time yeah and it, it must be weird you know we know we will know Mary Kay Cabot the beat writer longtime beat writer I, I always think it must be weird for the team you cover to be on there because you're getting things that you ordinarily wouldn't get and they become storylines and you could tell because the they, yeah. they asked Baker Mayfield in this episode, Hey, are you getting here early now? You know? Yep. So it's like they're, they're hard knocks opens up storylines for you because there's news there. Yep. I mean, there's, oh, you you would have to watch every episode with a notepad. Oh, they live.
1: And I it, saw, yeah. in fact, I saw, uh, so it premiered episode two premiered, I think at nine o'clock central on Tuesday night and shortly thereafter, I saw a bunch of posts from mm-hmm. from Browns writers and or national people summarizing the
0: news that they had gotten from that show. Correct, yeah. And, it, you know, the teams, my understanding, have, and I, I don't think they would do it without it, but they have uh, editorial control they or they can veto certain things if they, they say has too sensitive. They get to watch it, yes. But even with that, having that... Kind of hammer at your disposal. I I would be surprised if the Vikings did it was filming there. I just don't think that. I don't he, think Rick
1: would ever. If, yeah. if
0: he didn't have. If he didn't have to. There's three criteria under which
1: you can duck being on hard knocks, and one is being a playoff team in the past two years. Mm-hmm. Another is a first year head coach, and I forget the third. So because the Vikings made the playoffs now. Yeah. They don't have to but do is it, there but, is a push to try to get? But Collar asked asked Mike about it, yeah. and Zimmer said he, he'd do it because he did it in Dallas one year early on when Jerry Jones basically was volunteering for it year after year after year, and then he did it twice in Cincinnati as uh, as Marvin's defensive coordinator, and that's the one. There was one of those two where where Zim became a star because he was yeah. so profane.
0: Well, you saw but the one, said with Greg
1: Williams, who you know, is like, you know, certified really crazy. <laughs> he's nuts. He <laughs> he was the guy. My understanding when the when Ticey got fired after two thousand five, and they hired Childress. My understanding was the first choice when that search started was Greg Williams to be the head coach of the Vikings. I it, where was he the DC at this? I was going to say it might have been Washington at the time. He was where he was somewhere where he had had success. And so it was going to be Greg Williams, and I want to say the front office guy was going to be Tom Heckert, who was then with the Eagles. Hmm. And they, they they wanted to hire those two. But you see, you oh. see Greg Williams, <laughs> and it is now so easy to understand how the bounty thing got rolling.
0: He well, is nuts! If you haven't seen this episode from this week, halftime of their first preseason game, I mean, it is an epic meltdown on this team. And it, it's funny because they... They pan the locker room, they show Baker Mayfield, and he has like this blank, stunned look on his face. And he's like, like, like watch your defense. Yeah,
1: the great that. thing is, Baker, who's supposed to go with the offensive group, is watching the defense. is like, oh my God, this
0: guy's going to kill somebody. I know, it was like, he had to look like, I'm glad I don't play defense. You know, because he was, I mean, he was just letting him have it. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, you, I mean, I'm sure fans and media probably see that when you're watching practice because um, I'm sure Greg Williams is wound tight like that on the practice field. But yeah. man, alive, he unloaded on him in the locker room. And the Vikings
1: dynamic, and I told Phil this last week, that I would love to see is, it's not the meltdowns necessarily. It's the hidden camera, inside look at players. Like, I'm convinced Harrison Smith would be a star. Yeah. And, and Harrison Smith won't tell you what day of the week it is ordinarily if you go up to him and ask him, and you've got a recorder or notepad. But Harrison Smith, can, but can you imagine the defensive backs room with a hidden camera yeah. where they're not thinking about the camera? How interesting that would be for the Vikings. Well,
0: it, kind of those. Yeah, it's not. It, it's the ones, the best things I think you get are from the cameras that are mounted, and yeah. not from the guys that are holding. The camera. Yeah, and the players and, forget about them. Yeah, that you see kind of players' personalities exposed. Who's who? Who are uh, leaders? Who steps up in meetings? But then also, I love the when the full coaching staff and the GM get together. You know, you see it every every uh, team in Hard Knocks when they have their personnel meetings, and then you really find out what they think about guys yeah, and it's brutal. a lot less more I mean you, you you can kind of get a sense of what they think of certain players
1: Hugh Jackson I can I'm not surprised that he was a successful coordinator he underwhelms me as a coach
0: yeah it's and I I don't know if it's personality or kind of how he's handled a few things um is interesting in the first episode that we were talking about sitting guys for practice and I mean when you go Owen 16 I think I would change everything I mean I would Everything. And you're 1-31, right? Yeah, and so you could tell Todd Haley, the offense coordinator, is like, these guys have to practice. I mean, this this is not working. I mean, whatever we're doing, is not. <laughs> we have to change this. And, and then Hugh Jackson said, well, I used to think that way when I sat in your seat, but I'm in a different seat now, and I have to look at more of the bigger picture. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to fail, but I, I agree with you. I've seen more impressive coaches on there than... I think you need a certain dynamic to be a
1: successful coach. And, and it doesn't have to be that you can yell or scream well, but I think it has to be some type of respect that players have, and and the coordinator role is very different. Yeah, I think you can be an underwhelming personality and be a good coordinator. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can be an underwhelming personality and be a great. Co- I mean, Sean McVay is a different cat. Yeah,
0: but I think he's got it. Well, and some people just got it. Sean McVay. I don't know if you watch Real Sports, which is also on on HBO. They did a, a big. Profile with Sean McVay and it kind of same stuff. Took him behind the scenes in the locker room, showing him how he communicates. And we always use that cliche: the it factor. That guy has it. I right. mean, when you watch the way he runs a team and the way he communicates, I mean, he has the it factor. Childers didn't have it, <laughs> no. And and
1: and Les, yeah. who no. I really liked, yeah. Les Frazier one of the greatest human beings you yeah. will ever come across. But you never looked at him in the in the context of being a head coach and said he's got it.
0: Zimmer has the personality. Yeah. And Brad, I think, came in at a difficult time because they want him to put a stamp down, be hard, be right. this iron-fisted. And I don't know if, it, you know, we knew him on a different Personally, he didn't come across that way when you had just conversations with him. But then when he was around his team and he's cutting guys on Christmas, I mean, it just it just didn't work.
1: Exactly. Uh, 651-646-8255. Let's take a break. Come back one more segment with the uh, Scoggins. And uh, Matthew Collar will join in the 10 o'clock hour. If you haven't checked out his 1500ESPN.com story on Xavier Rhodes, do so. It's a great piece. Mackie will join at 11. People, people. I an important announcement.
0: Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Woo! on 1500 ESPN. How does winning a TCL TV $150 Visa gift card or Jersey Mike's gift card just for listening to 1500 ESPN sound? Those prizes and more are up for grabs on the 1500 ESPN stream player. Earn entries by hitting daily, weekly, and monthly listening thresholds. AKA, the more you listen, the more chances you have to win. Head to
1: 1500ESPN.com and see Start winning. Thank you, James Murphy. One more segment with uh, Chip Scoggins from the TCL Broadcast Studios, and then I am absolutely, positively going to lose my mind about baseball, a sport <laughs> I used to love, a sport that's just bleeped up. Um, all right,
0: Chipper Vikings. I can see the volcano about there. These idiots,
1: these morons. <laughs> I, I hate stupidity. Yeah. Um, the Vikings from this angle. We covered this team together from 08 through at least 2010 or, or 11 or yep. 07. Anyway, yep. uh, we've been around this team for a long time. We've covered this team when they've been bad, when they've been good, and when they've had expectations. When they've had expectations, it's often ended up something's gone wrong mm-hmm. or they haven't played great. What is your What is your sense now um Relatively deep, not long, long, but but Zim's had some time here. Yeah. What is your sense? Thirteen and three team offensive line. You're concerned. Certainly made an interesting move at quarterback, which I agree with. Yeah. What, what this team is or where they're
0: going to trend now with expectations that are a Super Bowl team? Yeah, I think back to so we both covered 0-9 and ten, and the ten season when when i had come back, it was all in. Remember that was the. That was the motto. We're all in, and and you're thinking, okay, this team was, you know, should have been in the Super Bowl. Brought everybody back. Favre came back. Had coming off this, you know, ridiculously good year. So you're thinking that team that was a Super Bowl bust season. I mean, it just was, and it was obviously bust because, you know, Favre had his injury, and you know all the other stuff going on off the field, and that team just got old. Mm-hmm. I don't have that same feeling with this team because that felt like a one shot deal and that team just their age was exposed that year. This year you feel like their nucleus, their you know, their star players are in their prime. They're not all right, we got one good year maybe left in us. It's not that situation at all. So you feel like this is the plan now makes more sense over a window of 3 years. I think there's a 3 maybe 4 year window with this core. Before you're going to, have to start turning over the roster again. Yeah. And so this is a Super Bowl or bust team. Now, the offensive line is a big concern, I think. I mean, you just cannot. I don't see how you can, unless you're the most staunch Viking fan
1: in the history of the world, I don't see how you can It's, acknowledge it's a big that. concern. And You've got to acknowledge it. They,
0: yes. you know, I don't know what's going on with the Elf line, but it, it, if he's not there next week, then I think it's really time to start getting concerned. Um, because your And your backup center is gone because that was Nick Easton. Yeah. So now you're on your third string center. Correct. And so that's that's the one thing. Now, defense is still going to be one of the top two. You got. The other thing, too, as I was watching yesterday, they have, you know, we can say they have, in fair debate, top wide receiver tandem in the league. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. After that, boy, there's. that's That's a concern, too. Because I don't see anybody really stepping up and taking Laquan Treadwell. I'm not going to believe it till I see it. Yeah, I, I, so I don't see care it. what people
1: write I, I, and, okay. and and uh, right, right, yeah. And that that we've seen this one before. Kendall Wright is the and there's inevitably this guy every year uh, who gets signed in March and we're like, oh man, look at his stats elsewhere. This, this guy's going to be good,
0: and he gets yeah we, yeah. And we've i have seen see, this yeah. movie before. Yeah, and so there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty there at the wide receiver core outside of the you yep. know Diggs and Thielen, but. You know, you, you had a good wide receiver tandem there, Rudolph. Um, quarterback, obviously, I think he's going to play well. So, th- I mean, to me, this is Super Bowl bus season, and if they can fix that line and they've got to address it next offseason, I mean, it's in a meaningful way. I don't get why they...
1: Yeah, it's... it's... I'm, I'm confused. That's the one that confuses me uh, from the past few months.
0: Yeah, because now you're looking at it and, and, you know, it's getting thin.
1: Where I do give them credit... Um, is is while I question how they went about uh, constructing the offensive line during the off season. What I give them credit for is, you know, in two thousand nine into two thousand ten, I was on board with everyone's coming back from an NFC title team that mm-hmm. really should have won that game. This is great. You know what I didn't think about was, well, they're getting older, and you. And this is not a sport you want everybody back in. Yeah. And when you go out and you play the hand that they did at quarterback. That's a that's a that's an all in gutsy heck of a move.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it you there's always going to be roster churn. And the thing that and there really wasn't from nine to ten. There wasn't which at was all, a bad. Right? Thing. I don't know how many starters, but it was like basically everybody. I think right? when Favre came back was the I think it was all twenty two right. Yeah, it could have been, and but this one is you know it's an interesting roster in that I, I and it's interesting that Spielman even acknowledges it, but it's a two tier roster. You got the really high-paid stars, and then guys on their first contract that they have to get right. They have to hit on those because, let's be honest, injuries are going to happen. Who it's, do you think? Give, give me a couple of players who you think that they that they have to get right
1: or, um, or be or or get to be major contributors who perhaps are borderline guys right now.
0: Well, I think Treadwell. I mean, he has to be a contributor because, I mean, it, it, let's say Diggs or Thielen gets a high ankle sprain. What are they going to do? I mean, they they have to have somebody that's going to step in there and, and fill that void. Linebacker, they're probably going to need somebody there to hit. I don't know if it's a Gideon or you know one of those backup guys. Um, if they got an injury there, somebody's going to have to. You know, you only have Bar and and, sure. and Kendrick. So um, that's that's you know that's kind of where they're at. But but I do I do think when you just look at that starting group. It's you can put it up with anybody. I mean, in terms of other in the offensive line, I mean, they're just, you know, they are built to make this run.
1: The thing that I find and I have not read a lot on this yet, but the thing that players consistently broach, but they're and, and I probably have not read a lot on this because they're not going to elaborate on the topic. Every offensive player you talk to says, well, it's a new system. I'm really curious about that. And I'm not saying it's going to fail. Yeah. But, you know, I think we all assumed, well, hey, uh D. Flippel's going to come in here and bring the Shermer system with him. And everyone's got their own verbiage. Everyone's got their own angles to things. Yeah. Uh, and everyone basically that I've offensively come across says, "Well, it's a new system." Mm. So I'm ve- I'm very very curious because I give Shermer credit; he had a hell of he a year a calling year. plays, a great year. And and it looks easy, but we have all seen this before. Success in the red zone is really hard.
0: Yeah, and like that's... we've seen bad
1: red zone offenses. You and I have. We've sat together and yeah. Shaking our heads and said,
0: This is just garbage. Yeah, where you're kicking field goals all the time and that's gonna get you beat. And yep. that's what you know, Shermer had a really good year last year. I mean he got a head coaching job because right. he had a really good but year.
1: But he really but but you I think halfway through the year I said to myself, this is one of the best offensive coordinator yep. years I've covered.
0: Correct. Yes. And and you know, I, I like the fact that DeFilippo comes with pedigree, comes from a system where um it was uh, I mean, look at what they did last year. I mean, there's it was creative is aggressive, and so you hope he kind of brings some of that um, some of that mentality with him, and that Zimmer allows him to kind of have that creativity. Let's take a quick phone call before we wrap up the hour. Hi, Luke.
1: Thanks a lot for taking my call. Two quick questions. I think you guys said um, you anticipate like the Vikings defense maybe be top two. Um, I thought we looked horrendous the last six quarters of the season. And when we needed to play well and to be at our best, especially in that last game against Philadelphia, we weren't. So give me a little insight on why you think it's so good. Secondly, yep. with Steve Filippo coming from Philadelphia, do you think a Zimmer pulls him aside and say, hey, what worked well for you guys against us, or how can we learn now that you're on our squad? Uh, vice versa, if that makes sense. Thanks
0: yeah, a lot. Good call. Yeah, the second question, absolutely. I think uh, Zimmer's already knowledge that he's picked his brain about how did you guys attack us in that game? What do we, you know, what weaknesses? Uh, that's just, you know, it's common kind of sense he would do yes. that. The first one, their last six quarters were horrendous. And I mean, as you said, it was awful. I mean, they just completely fall apart. But I, you know, you can't discount that, but I also look at the body of work sure. and who they have coming back, and that's why I think they're... Quarters three and four against the Saints, you got breezed, which yep. you don't
1: want to, but Drew Breeze is, I mean, that's... The one bad thing, if you're a football fan, about that game is the the Diggs catch overshadowed one of the greatest comebacks you'll see because mm. Drew Brees was unbelievable. Yeah. Um. And in the Eagles F- game, you just got out. Coach just yes, didn't show up. Yeah. No, I think Across he showed the up. Board. Yeah. I think you just got done. Yeah. Like you got uh, Doug
0: Peterson's really good. Yeah. And Mike Zimmer's really good. And Doug Peterson on that day kicked Mike's ass. And the thing, is, you saw Harrison Smith make a couple bus plays that he would use you're like, well, that's not even Harrison Smith out what's going on. Exactly. So, um, I, I think they'll be fine. Thanks, Chipper. All right, buddy. Chips Goggin,
1: Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Uh, check out his work, Outstanding Sports Columnist, for that paper. Um, uh, Collar's going to join us at about ten fifteen or so to talk Vikings. But before that, Rob Manford, where the hell are you?
0: The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment.
2: So long, losers! On
1: 1500 ESPN.